Welcome to the Under the Sea Baz podcast, a deep dive into global protest. In this episode, we travel to Thailand. The Kingdom of Thailand is a populous and politically influential country in Southeast Asia, bordering Myanmar, Laos, Cambodia, and Malaysia. Known for its many great ancient temples, beautiful clear water beaches, and of course, elephant pants, Thailand in recent years has been a tourist hotspot with nearly 40 million visitors coming into Thailand in 2019 alone. Tourism has obviously taken a downward hit this year due to COVID-19, so I suppose now it's as good as a time as ever for Thai citizens to hit the streets, act out their favorite Hunger Games scene, and demand some serious constitutional and political change. It's become a trademark of the opposition movement, a symbol of resistance. The three-fingered salute borrowed from science fiction blockbuster The Hunger Games. Thousands of protesters gathered at Tamasat University on the outskirts of Bangkok to listen to pro-democracy activists and to lend their voice to a movement that is gathering momentum in Thailand. We need the real democracy and not just a dictatorship. I just want a better leader for this country. We want a new constitution that is really democratic and we want that to lead to a democratic election and we want a democratically uh, elected prime minister. Alright, so here's the backstory. We begin in late February 2020, when the first wave of massive protests began to unfold. It all started when the Thailand Constitutional Court made the decision to completely disband the Future Forward Party, or FFP, which is a pro-democracy opposition political party that is very popular among Thai youth, namely high school and university students. That led to various protests coming about across many universities and on social media. You can imagine and compare this to the would-be firestorm in the United States if the Supreme Court decided to ban, say, Bernie Sanders or AOC from running for office. College students would not be happy about that. Are you all ready to make a ruckus? Then something we know as the coronavirus happened and put a temporary stop to the protests as schools began to shut down and strict quarantine orders were put in place. But while in the midst of COVID-related restrictions and a state of emergency, specifically with traveling to Thailand, news broke out on July 15th of two newly infected cases coming from an Egyptian soldier in Rayong province and the daughter of a Sudanese diplomat in Bangkok. According to the Thai government, these people were considered VIP guests and were not required to comply with several COVID-19 related measures, like not having to quarantine. This understandably infuriated many people who were afraid of a possible second outbreak and of the negligence shown by the government. A few days later, on July 18th, the second wave of protests was triggered after a video went viral on Twitter of two students being arrested and beaten by police for holding up a sign demanding for the resignation of Prime Minister Prayut Chan-o-cha. That ultimately has led to the current state of affairs in Thailand, as more than 10,000 people, again, mostly university students, gathered around Democracy Monument and laid out their demands to the Prime Minister and his government. It's also worth noting that Thailand has had a history of brutally cracking down on protest and where it's still kind of illegal to protest at all, especially during a state of emergency. So far, fortunately, no major violence. Nonetheless, the group known as the Free Youth Movement have made their three core demands very clear. 
I'm not happy and I support our demands. Dissolve parliament, get the government to resign, fix the constitution and stop threatening people. The prime minister is abusing his power. He doesn't care about people's rights. That's right. Let's take a look at their first demand, dissolving parliament. Parliament, or rather the National Assembly of Thailand, is composed of a 500-member House of Representatives and 250-member Senate. The parliament in Thailand has had its major bumps in the road throughout its history. The last time parliament was dissolved was just in 2014, for reasons I will most certainly get into in just a bit. For now, just know that the protesters are mainly upset with the government's VIP treatment to the aforementioned visitors, their struggling economy due to its suffering tourism industry, especially after closing off its border, their unlifted state of emergency, but mostly because they say that these representatives are not representatives at all, that most, if not all, elected officials are simply cronies of the military junta appointed after last year's elections. Again, something I will get into. The second demand was for the government to stop threatening its citizens. After the 2019 election, many people have been threatened, beaten, or thrown in jail simply for criticizing the government. The third demand is for a new constitution. Thailand enacted a new constitution just three years ago, in 2017, which was highly controversial and widely seen as a major power push by the military government to tie in its grip on, well, power. So now, to truly understand the reasoning behind the current unrest in Thailand, we must travel back to May 22, 2014. General Prayuth Chan-o-cha, commander of the Royal Thai Army, and yes, the current Prime Minister of Thailand, launched a military coup to dispose the government. Thailand's military seized power of the government Thursday in a bloodless coup. The coup was swift. Thai Army Chief General Prayuth Chan-ocha announced the military takeover on national television. Additional announcements quickly followed, disintegrating government infrastructure, imposing a nationwide curfew, and further solidifying military rule. Alright, now, Thailand is not new to military coups. This latest one in 2014 was their 13th coup since 1932, the most any country has endured this century and with it brought some serious political changes. Let's take it back just a bit more. In December 2013, then-Prime Minister businesswoman Ying Luk Shinawatra was dealing with a massive unrest and protest due to a variation of things, but mostly because protesters wanted Ying Luk's brother, Taksin, a previous Prime Minister, who by the way was also removed from power by a military coup in 2006, to have no more political influence whatsoever. It was a battle between pro-government red shirts and anti-Shinawatra sibling yellow shirts that resulted in some violence and death. As a result, Prime Minister Yingluk dissolved parliament. Then in May, she was impeached, removed, and arrested. However, she fled the country and is supposedly living somewhere in London. Yes, London. You know, fish, chips, cup of tea, bad food, worse weather, merry fucking poppins, London. Anyways, once the military junta took over, they removed all government officials, repealed the 2007 constitution that was created by the former military government, except for the part concerning the king, declared martial law, banned political gatherings, arrested and detained politicians and anti-coup activists, imposed internet censorship, and took control of the media. Basically told all of Thailand, Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. 
This new organization, ironically called the National Council for Peace and Order, under the blessing from the king, controlled Thailand for five years. Then in 2016, a referendum was held to create a new constitution. Two years after the military seized power in Thailand, voters are being asked to approve a new constitution, which critics say could extend the army's influence well into the future. The ballot is the first major popularity test for the junta, led by Prime Minister Prayut Chan-o-cha, who suppressed political activity since the coup and banned all criticism of the new charter. To very little surprise, turnout was low, and opposition groups of the constitution were barred from formally campaigning against it by the military government. This new constitution, formalized in 2017, allowed the Thai military to officially handpick the 250-member Senate of the National Assembly of Thailand, allowing the military-influenced parliament to choose whoever they want to be prime minister and still give the monarchy power to do whatever they want. It also laid down a 20-year vision board that essentially grants the military control over institutions and the government. At this point, Thailand is pretty much under complete control by the military and the royal kingdom. But to make it seem like they're still down with democratic norms, like, I don't know, holding elections, they decided to hold one just last year to choose the 500 members of the House of Representatives, as well as the Prime Minister. And it went down as you can probably expect. Now we turn to the parliamentary election in Thailand. It's the country's first since the military took power five years ago. Unofficial results by Sunday night show the party that named Prayut Chanocha as the prime minister candidate was leading. With over 90% of the votes counted, the pro-military Palan Parachat party won more than 7.5 million votes, followed by Thai party, which has gained over 7 million votes. Coming third was the Future Forward Party, with a little over 5 million votes. However, the elections did give some parliamentary representation to the Future Forward Party. And if you remember back from way in the beginning of the podcast, it says something along the lines of... It all started when the Thailand Constitutional Court made the decision to completely disband the Future Forward Party, or FFP, which is a pro-democracy opposition political party that is very popular among Thai youth, namely high school and university students. Mm-hmm. That's right. Which brings us back to this year, 2020. Over 10,000 mainly young protesters are fed up with the military's control over political life in Thailand the constitution completely rigged in favor of the military, and the inability to speak up and say anything negative about it without being threatened with arrest. Now, here's the twist. When it comes to protesting military authoritarianism in Thailand, it's been there, done that, business as usual almost. Except this time, the emboldened young protesters are voicing their displeasure, whether out in the streets or on social media, against a very taboo topic in the country the untouchable royal monarchy. There's a new generation of protesters in Thailand and they're daring to go where few others have. At times, they've been gathering in their thousands and speaking about an issue that's supposed to be off limits. I just want to say that to speak out about the monarchy is something that we can do. The royal family is protected by laws designed to prevent criticism, but these protesters, who are mainly students, say they won't stay silent anymore. Along with calling for elections and a new constitution, they've announced a set of demands to reform the monarchy and reduce its political power.
The role of the monarchy in Thailand was meant to not get too involved in governmental affairs. However, the previous king, and I'm sorry if I pronounced this incorrectly, King Bumibo Alduyaldej, who ruled for nearly 70 years, would still intervene, wielding great power behind the scenes. But he was beloved by most Thais, so that was mostly ignored. He died in 2016. His son and current king, King Mahavijalongkorn, is not so beloved. People see his close relationship to the military as a slap to the face to Thailand citizens still yearning for a true democracy. They are demanding for a complete reform of the monarchy so that they are no longer allowed to get involved in politics, and especially a repeal of the draconian and harsh Les Majesté laws, which disallows anybody in Thailand, citizen or not, to speak ill of the monarchy, a crime that can land you 15 years in prison. And even with the threat of arrest looming, protesters have held signs saying, why do we need a king? And no gods, no king, only man. I don't regret being arrested because ever since joining the movement, I knew it might happen. But it won't be in vain. Everyone should have the courage to talk about the monarchy. If I'm arrested, I won't ask for bail because that would prevent me from talking about politics. I'd rather spend a few years in prison and come out swinging. Now, in my humble opinion, I cannot begin to fathom how frustrating it may be to live with such a broken political system. But then again, I live in the United States, so maybe I can sympathize just a bit. But to go from democracy to military coup to back to a democracy to then another military coup turned constitutional monarchy would drive just about any normal working class citizen insane. And for Thailand, it is their reality. But it has come to show that this new generation of Thai citizens are not afraid. This latest act of unprecedented defiance against not only the men in uniform, but those with the royal crown, speaks volumes to the desperation people are willing to go to instill some radical change in their society. Some of the main activist leaders have been arrested, yet the military and even the king himself have shown restraints from instilling severe punishment to the protesters. It's incredibly hard to predict what will come out of this movement. Will the government concede to the demands of the protesters and call for new elections and a new constitution? I kind of highly doubt that happening anytime soon. Will the monarchy reform itself? Probably not. Will military generals lose their patience with the country's youth and get violent? Well, we hope not. But until one side backs down, it's safe to assume that this generation of Thai citizens will continue to challenge their military and royal leaders until a return to a true representative democracy takes place. We shall see what comes next of this very tense situation. This has been Under the Sea Bass in Thailand. Thank you for listening. As always, I want to give my thank yous to my sources I use for this episode, the Associated Press, Tom Felix Jonk and Matt Wheeler for their opinion piece in the New York Times, Joshua Kurlancic and his guest blogger from Asia Unbound posted on the Council of Foreign Relations, Fans24 News, DW News, Al Jazeera English, CNN, CBS, and trusted sources on Wikipedia. If you're listening to this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other streaming service, I thank you. If you have any questions or comments you want to send, email me at undertheseabasspodcast at gmail.com. Until then, remember to expand your mind, join the movement, and learn all about social global protest here on Under the Sea Bass. Talk to you soon.